must stop him. Hell yeah. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We have another Oscars profile review, except it's another one of those Oscars profile question mark that may be more of a movie event review. We're not entirely sure, as we are reviewing today Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host, also Mike. Fun movie, right, Mike? Oh, absolutely. I'm glad we're doing these film studies. I'm glad we're kind of isolating the movies that uh, we want to see, we want to dive into, uh, and we're doing it a lot lately. It was, it was uh, you know, few and far between most mm. of this year, yeah. where we, for whatever reason, got a ton of news. Well, I guess we know the reasons yeah. the industry has been <laughs> changing in massive and insane ways, but uh, that's, that's another landmark for this movie, because this movie's kind of bringing us back to what is, you know, a bit of a more normal blockbuster doing well in theaters yeah. going to be profitable in theaters first then it'll be on vod you know normal windows and all that so it's a it's kind of exciting i would say happy to see that less happy that it worked out for disney in this way and they get to brag about <laughs> it but that's all stuff that we've covered already in the lead up to this movie shang chi the legend of the ten rings if you've not joined us before us before for either an oscars profile or movie event we're going to give you two reviews uh, in one episode the first half of all these episodes is of the non-spoiler variety so if you're listening to this episode and have yet to see the movie don't worry we're not going to spoil it yet for you uh, that will happen as we go through the plot and the ins and outs of all the twists and turns in the second half of this episode after a spoiler warning so the first half it's all about the production the cast the crew the oscars lens etc if there is one to be had so let's start talking about shang chi the legend of the ten rings michael yeah co-written and directed by destin daniel cretton of short term 12 his writing partner his screenwriting partner on just mercy in the glass castle andrew lanham also gets a credit here along with david callaham who uh, has been getting a lot of work lately. He's done Mortal Kombat, Wonder Woman 1984. He's, he's already written the script for Spider-Verse 2. Uh, he goes back to Godzilla. Otherwise, comic book writers are credited here as well. Steve Englehart and Jim Starlin. I wonder what it was like for him to pitch in on Mortal Kombat and then pitch in on this movie, which was just a better version of Mortal Kombat in some ways. A lot if, better, if, yeah. You know, <laughs> if, he was, <laughs> if he was able to like include more stuff in his writing there because of this. But you can tell, at least, I mean, it felt very real to life and very true to life and very authentic to me, the way these characters were, were handled. And Destin Daniel Cretton is Japanese-American. Uh, Dave Callahan is a, a writer of Asian descent as well. You can tell... Like, we always pitch how women need to be in the writer's room if you're going to have these stories centered on or involving women and female characters. Probably need to have some people of Asian descent in the writer's room if you're going to have a story based on Asian characters. It, it is only going to help your process. So good on Marvel and good on Disney for having that be uh, something that actually happened here. And it brought in a level of authenticity and realism, I felt, to this movie. Totally agree. The size of relief out there on film Twitter and, and just in general uh, that, that, that they have Asian representation mm -hmm. behind the camera as well as in front of it in this particular movie. It, 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 it pays dividends, something very different than what we saw with Mulan. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that absolutely. had like a white crew and an all Asian cast, which was which, again, steps in the right direction. But, you know, 
let's be honest, it didn't really work. Do it this way. Obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do, do it, it this way. way. Right. This way is better. All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, Shang-Chi stars, of course, Simu Liu, Aquafina, Tony Chu Wei Lung, and Michelle Yeoh. We're going to talk about the rest of the terrific ensemble as well. Kevin Feige, of course, is the uh, main name in the PGA mm. producers. Predations there, along with Jonathan Schwartz, Michael. So here's the numbers of how this movie's been received thus far as of Sunday the 5th when we're recording this. Right now, Shang-Chi carries a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes after 238 critic reviews. It has a 71 Metascore as well. A very strong 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb on over 27,000 ratings. And an an equally strong 98% on Rotten Tomato on over 5,000 audience ratings. So I'm starting to believe the ratings... On our main movie website, Rolodexes, for once. This is going to win Best Picture, like all those critics were saying. (laughs) But at least the numbers are starting to make sense, for Christ's sake. It's been months where we got like a blockbuster comes out, Godzilla vs. Kong, 100 ratings on the audience score. Like, what are they doing? Anyway, we have the box office reports. Just two old cranky men right now is what this review is going to (laughs) be. We just have criticisms of the industry and how they cover it. Beautiful movie. It's great. It's fun and entertaining. And where'd you just wet blankets? (laughs) Just sour faces. Oh, my God. Anyway, Michael, this movie's making money, and this is exciting. We had a $71.4 million domestic box office take for the three-day Labor Day weekend. That is a record, smashing the previous winner of the weekend, The Sixth Sense, all the way back in... Yeah, it almost doubled it, literally, $35 Uh, and then it is close to the pandemic era record of Black Widow's $80.4 million three-day take, which was simultaneous with uh, the day and date streaming there, $30 PVOD, which again shows you Black Widow was not the bomb that they said it was, but all right, we'll get... We, well, day and date's dead, if nothing else, right? Like this... If there's money still out there, Day and Date clearly is taking away from monies from the theaters. I don't. The, day and Date's got to be done now. It only hurts studios. It only hurts theaters. Wouldn't wouldn't isn't doesn't this make more sense to have these theatrical exclusives? I believe so. This is what we said literally eighteen months ago. Yeah. You know, we were not happy with the Trolls World Tour news. <laughs> Uh, we were not happy after that when uh, WB did what they did with the, and said day and date was going to you know, be a win-win. I mean, I, I love it as a lazy movie watcher. <laughs> don't get Fine. me wrong. <laughs> yeah, when you don't want to go out. But, it, I mean, this was so much better in, on the big screen. Right. I mean, we're, we're going to get into our right. theater-going experiences in a minute. I mean, this was, like, just so refreshing in many ways. But four-day Disney's... Projecting 85, others are saying about 90 million. Ultimately, with a 56 million dollar limited release overseas internationally, it hasn't released everywhere quite yet. I don't think 140 million is its four-day total, and all of that is on a 150 million dollar budget. Mike, this is the first film since Black Widow, which didn't have any legs, as we mm. saw. This is the first film that we've seen in opening weekend, and we're like, okay, that tracks. This movie's going to be in the black when, yeah. when are we getting a sequel announced this is i mean this is the biggest north american movie since bad boys for life 
And it's not gonna, which was the last big movie before the pandemic hit, hit our shores, and it's not gonna lose 60% of its audience or whatever Black Widow did in its second weekend or 70% or whatever that number was because mm-hmm. it's a theatrical exclusive. I'm sure, you know, I said studios are losing money. I, I, I'm sure studios probably aren't thrilled with that because, you know, they don't get hurt as badly, obviously, as theaters do when there's theatrical exclusives or when Day and Date is there because studios get to keep all of that revenue coming in. They get to keep all of their streaming revenue to themselves instead of having to split the dollar with the the theater. But I don't understand how, like, this is the way it should be. Tentpole cinemas should be holding up theaters and they should be helping out studios as well. And do you need all the money, Disney? (laughs) Yeah, they do, but yeah, all right. <laughs> we've been over that asked. as well. I like you asked these questions that you've answered episodes <laughs> I ago. I know. That's why I, I have hope in sentences, and then I just live the rest of my life negatively. Well, this is the thing. You live the rest of your life, life negatively, but you had like inverse expectations as I did on yeah. this one. Yeah. So well, I did, and I'm happy to talk about that. Let's get into it. Plot premise here. Shang-Chi, the master of unarmed weaponry-based kung fu, is forced to confront his past after being drawn into the Ten Rings organization. So let's talk about what our expectations were here, Michael. So we ta- we reviewed the trailers, and we're like, all right, the story is loaded. This seems heavier than most mm-hmm. you know, MCU movies uh, on first glance, especially with the father-son plot line that we saw in the, in, in the marketing but I was worried about Shang-Chi, to be honest. Like, the VFX on the trailer side of things looked terrible. We yeah. mentioned as much. And then Aquafina wasn't funny, which was, like, really a huge red flag. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell is happening that Aquafina is not funny in these market, you know, these, these TV spots and stuff? Like, I'm watching it and I'm cringing during the Olympics because yeah. we're getting Aquafina, you know, bombing <laughs> right. in a 15-second, you know, TV spot. Right. I, I And I did have kind of the opposite. I mean, I was weary about it from the trailers, but going into the theater the day of, I was expecting Marvel to nail it, and that's where my optimism does come in. And I, that had less to do, you know, obviously my, I was able to put my worries aside, and I wasn't really going on the words of all these critics who got to the movie first and were singing its praises, but... I think Marvel was aware of their responsibility that they had their first Asian-centric film and they have to appease and do right by all their Asian and Asian-American fan bases. I mean, that's a huge burden. It's a responsibility they needed to live up to. And Marvel lives up to their responsibilities, at least as far as we've seen. You know, I mean, you can quibble with what happened with the uh, LGBTQ uh representation in Avengers Endgame there and I think that's a a legitimate complaint but I didn't I expected if this was going to be the movie that Marvel would handle it handle it well that was my expectation going in you mean when two extras you know hug in a celebration scene at the very end of your Star Wars movie that doesn't count as representation Mike (laughs) or one of the directors of Endgame being in there in the group uh, therapy session (laughs) saying how he was on a date with a man and that's supposed to be the first gay character in the MCU that doesn't count that doesn't really I don't think that does enough for representation no call me crazy yeah right so I thrilled that you were optimistic about this I I wish you would have told me (laughs) I think uh, because maybe I would have been I would have felt better because you, you know You've been, you're pretty good at predicting things uh, once in a while, even a blind yeah, squirrel. But, once in uh, a blue moon. I don't want to give you too much credit because then you'll never let me forget it. It's ever. true. It's true. Uh, I won't let you forget this. No. I No. Damn it. Damn it. When I have to speak out loud, speak my mind, oh, that's going to hurt me. That's going to come back and bite me for months. I don't even know how, what to say now. 
well, going to remind can, me. We could talk about our, our experiences. Did you have a loaded theater when you saw this? Loaded! Nah, there good. was like 50-plus people. This was almost too many people. Like, I was in there. I was like, <laughs> I don't know if this is legal. Should I call somebody? I mean, you know, there, there wasn't more than a, a, a space in between people in an IMAX uh, at the AMC. Wow. I mean, I know they call it a IMAX, but it's it's a beautiful theater, a gorgeous theater. It's It probably seats 100-something, and more than half of it was, was full. Was your audience loud? Did they react? Well, the kids were loud. The kids were pretty happy. You know, th- it was funny because I, I had another huge family in front of me, and they just got up the whole movie uh, and just doing this and that and bebopping mm. around and little little kids too, but they were loving it. Well, that's that's good. To hear. I was, I mean, there are funny parts in this movie and there's great action sequences. I mean, it's a Marvel movie. It's it's you're gonna get your goods here. But I was shocked at how quiet my theater was. Mm. I went to the Friday showing. It was around 5 p.m. A little after, and there was like 20 people or so in there. But the funny parts, nobody was making any noise, so I let out a few haws along the way. I was trying to be like, look, guys, it's okay. We could all react to this. You know, it doesn't have to be dead silent the entire Nobody made a noise, and they probably all hated me for doing that. So, lesson learned, except not. So, that was my theater-watching experience. I wanted to be, like, a more communal experience, but they weren't having it. Well, I, I feel your pain. It's been my... <laughs> movie-going burden to carry, laughing the loudest in every theater I'm in. But if you have a comedy out there and you just want, and you have cheap humor, if it's very cheap, right. dirt cheap, right. I am a laugh whore. And if you just, you could have like a 30% Rotten Tomatoes comedy. That could be the destiny of it. And it, so this is actually my plea. I don't, I don't need to get all the Oscar screeners. Right. But if you want to give me premiere night tickets to a <laughs> like a Adam Sandler comedy, oh, I'm yeah. your guy. Oh yeah. Because we, I will guffaw. We fill some very specific niches in that. In that. <laughs> Being the unofficial official timekeepers of the standing ovations right. at all these film festivals, yeah. we're, we're we're very specific. We don't do a lot of things well, but we do bizarre things well. The bizarre the bizarre thing of laughing our asses <laughs> off at at a movie theater that is supposed to be a communal experience. Right. I agree, right. uh, is something we're very very prone to do, and uh, we should do more of it together. But Michael, uh, we have. An MCU movie unlike any other, so we can get into some non-spoiler script thoughts, I guess. I think this story, even with some flaws, is very hard to dislike. And it ultimately carries a lot of fun through all of the flashback. And there's a ton of flashback, Mm -hmm. which is almost a surprising amount of flashback. Quentin Tarantino would have been proud of how this this story was structured. There's some back and forth, yeah. Well, the scope of the flashback is like thousands of years right so maybe that's why it feels like so much flashback but there's there's huge set pieces that are that are that are you know how i met your mother kind of set pieces and they they just really work for the most part in my opinion i think it's like a lot of movies stuffed together which was something you were texting me afterwards as well there's so much movie in this, mm. but I agree with you as far as the story and the story structure goes. It's very relatable, and I, th- I feel like it's universal, even though it's also very specific to 
Asian culture and the Asian community. I mean, having a disapproving father or an overbearing father or a father who puts immense pressure on the eldest son of the family, especially, that's both, I feel, a universal story and one that is very prevalent in Asian culture. Uh, And same goes with so many of the themes. And this was a movie with a ton of themes that uh, permeated throughout this script. The family, community, settling and celebrating differences between one another. There was a lot of stuff that, yes, it's... It is an Asian-centric and Asian-focused movie, but it also helped to tell the story of all of us, in a way. Uh, Now, all of that said, speaking Mm -hmm. of something that was completely universal, they just released a commercial the other day where Shang-Chi and the three ball brothers of the NBA, LaMelo, LiAngelo, and Lonzo, were all in father's therapy uh, complaining (laughs) about the pressure their fathers put on them. That is A++ marketing. I laughed my ass off when I saw that commercial. That's great. I didn't know that because I saw them in the car, right, mm-hmm. for a black – was it Black Widow? They were actually doing a lot of Marvel marketing, the Ball Brothers. Oh, is that true? They were in some yeah, Black I Widow? Think huh. they were – so, all right, so that's the follow-up commercial. That's really good. I'm huh. glad they're doing that. Like, LaMelo La needs to be in a ton of uh, commercials, and I'm <laughs> yeah. glad LiAngelo's getting work. Same here. For those Same out there. LiAngelo's getting work. Uh, he's not Chris Smith. After all, there's <laughs> jokes for nobody. Jokes no, for no it's, one. It's us. But we, we do have uh, the father-son dynamic is what anchors this movie, in my opinion, I think. And, and you know, the father-daughter dynamic as well, which is a, a really strong story that, that pays off. I, I think if that didn't work, we have a movie that is, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of hard to swallow at times because the you know, penultimate scenes or the family dynamic and the huge finale, which goes on forever, by the way. This is one of the longer finales in a movie I've ever seen. It felt like an hour long <laughs> finale. Did that did that happen? To it you? was it was about an hour. And I, I I like the pacing of this overall. I thought the pacing was very well done, but there's just so this felt like a trilogy's worth of content stuffed into a single film. It's oh. got to be the flashbacks, though, because there's not a ton of plot. There's just really not a ton of plot. We'll, we'll go over it and spoil No, you're right. I, well, well, I don't know. I it's could, like I Bing, Bang, Boom with, with the plot. I don't know. I'm I, gonna... I, 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 could, I mean, I see, I see why you say that, but I also see there was a lot of exposition, I guess. Um, like, the mythology is huge. Like, right. uh, you know, H.P. Lovecraft, who right. I, you, nobody, if anybody reads a lot of his stuff, Sorry, but like I read one, <laughs> The Mountains of Madness. I can't read another one, and of course he's a jerk because he's a racist. And I, he took like twenty books to set, tell the same story. Right. So right. again, you know the MCU and Disney masters of efficiency. And I also agree with what you said about uh, the father son and the father daughter and the brother sister, the family dynamic, kind of anchoring this in that. Kind of like Candyman, when Candyman tried to be a conventional slasher, I felt like it took away from the viewing experience because there was more to say. When this one tried to do more conventional comic book movie stuff, I felt like it took away from the viewing experience. I, I like hmm. if you concentrate too much on the lore of the comic bookness going on, like if you concentrate too much on the lore of the MacGuffin, or in this case, the Ten Rings and you try to understand the rules that this movie's trying to play by, I think that they're very flimsily established, and you could find a lot of holes in them. So Mm -hmm. the more those were the focus and brought up, I felt like I was taken out of the movie more, whereas when I was 
forced to spend my mental capacity focusing on the family dynamic and the family right. aspect of what was going on here. It was a way more enjoyable viewing experience. And that's so Disney, right? Yeah. It's even even in you know toys coming alive, we could just find this friendship going right. awry, and, and that that's what Disney movies have been about forever. So the fact that this movie nails that and also gives us probably something that we haven't had in the MCU to this level with these hand-to-hand combat fight scenes. As good as Captain America the Winter Soldier was with, with this, as good as some of that, you know, trilogy's fight scenes were, Civil War, the end of that, mm-hmm. but there are some feats of athleticism here where Simu Liu... Uh, you know why he's a stuntman. The fact that he man he made the the jump from stuntman to frontman is so cool, and he pays it off with that bus scene, which I criticized in the trailers. Then there's a another huge scene uh, right after that, and finally that scaffolding thing was one of my favorite scenes of the year, without question. He is such a movie star. <laughs> like I, I am amazed that it took until now for him to be discovered as a leading man and Mm -hmm. he i think all the performances in this are great i think this was wonderfully casted uh aquafina despite how she how we thought she came off in the trailers i think she gives you exactly what you want from her i Mm -hmm. I think tony chi wai lung my apologies if i mispronounced that i think he was great as as the father uh i think you could say the same about Fala Chen, Manger Zen, michelle yo they all were exactly what they needed to be for this story but I felt like in two seconds of seeing Simu Liu on the screen, and I'm a, a, a Polish 30-year-old man trying my best with these names, so I apologize <laughs> if I'm butchering them. I'm really trying here. But I really felt like he was a rock star. I mean, he's the embodiment of what movie stars used to be in what is now a bygone era to me. This guy was jumping off the screen. I don't know that his performance was Oscars-worthy, but it was like certainly Marvel-worthy. Now... My gripes with how a guy who looks that good and is that jacked and that athletic would never be a valet park park car guy because if he was parking cars that were that expensive, one of them would inevitably be owned by a movie studio executive anyway who would see him and say, hey, why don't you come do this picture for me? That aside, he's a, a total star to me, a, a superstar. It's fun to see, you know, a star being born. Yeah. That's why they remade that movie three times. And <laughs> that's why I can't, you know, uh, I can't avoid making a joke about it, which I know <laughs> is going to be bad. But you politely laughed at anyway. I'll move on. I, I agree. I think uh, he does a wonderful job. And his character, the more you think about his character, there's some issues there, mm-hmm. I would say. Unfortunately, I agree with Colby Mack. Go listen to MRF again. Those guys have been crushing it. Um, the Minorities Report film podcast mm-hmm. there, and uh, they did an episode on Shang-Chi, and yeah, there's some holes to the characters, and there's some holes to the Legends of the Ten Rings, but Tony Leung, he's in my top ten for supporting actor right now. He's the bas- backbone of this ensemble. He makes what should not be a realistic, reasonable character so reasonable, mm, and you feel for him. I haven't felt for a villain this much in a, in a in a you know just a fight film in the longest time. I can't remember the last time. I mean, think about it, if Mortal Kombat. I mean, if they wrote the Mortal Kombat characters, any of them <laughs> like this. I mean, uh, can you imagine? 
so how much we would have raved about it, let's just say, because we, we're Mortal Kombat guys. I, I completely agree with you, and I couldn't get this thought out of my head in part because of that. Because Disney and Marvel does such a wonderful job with their antagonists, and because they are like the creme de la creme of action or fight movies, are they rendering the entire genre obsolete? You know, you jump to conclusions. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm dead serious about this, and I couldn't stop thinking about it the entire time because I'm so excited for Marvel movies because yeah. I know I'm going to get the goods, right? And then well, I think you're about... also getting serializational serialization in terms of storytelling. Yeah, so that's absolutely. what's adding. Absolutely, this, there's there's that aspect to it too. But like when I compare how I felt about Shang Chi going into Shang Chi versus something like Gunpowder Milkshake or The Protege or stuff like. The trailers intrigue me, but I don't have the same excitement about any action movie anymore, it, you know, barring The Rock being in it because of my man crush on him. But I don't like I just wonder if Marvel's just kind of hurting the genre in the long run because they are so good at this. I think a storytelling addiction or a movie watching addiction begets more movie watching. I would just I th- that's the obvious answer here because you know John Wick. I mean, we'd all click play on John Wick four right now. So you say you think it's so? It's just still the the quality of the story attached to this. Well, film. you're addicted to yeah. wrestling, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. I, I, like, I wouldn't know the stories there. I'm sure if I watched them, I would get hooked on several narratives, and that's where it matters. So, like, when we see a standalone film action film, it better be absolutely awesome. Like nobody, for instance. The uh, Bob Odenkirk movie there yeah. from the John Wick guys. If it's not that, then you're right. Like the the necessity to see the film being a standalone movie may may not be there, hmm. or at least lately. And that's unfortunate. And they gotta win win you over in a huge with a huge splash of a film. Right. So yeah, I mean this you know this is gonna connect to the next twenty five you know movie events of your life. Right. Right. Yeah. I think I agree with you, and yet I still have no desire to see the protege, and I have not watched Gunpowder Milkshake. I, uh, yeah, I, knowing I, nothing I, about those stories either is, I guess, my point. Well, so. yeah, I mean the protege looks cool. I'm, I'm it not does, yeah, but I like, mean, the would, intriguing. yeah, I think we both have different thresholds. Like, I just you know need to watch several movies a night, so <laughs> I just <laughs> click on I, I watch Gunpowder Milkshake, but yeah, you have more restraint in that area. I, I would say that the protege is something that if it comes on for 20 bucks, I may still just click. Damn it. Oh, all right. They have they just have me. They have all my money. And by they, you mean for just a, people who make movies in general? Yes. yes. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> any more on characters here, uh, performances before production values? No, we can get into production values because I think that's worth highlighting, too. We were very worried, like you said already, about how some of these VFX and green screens looked in the trailer. Those worries for me were amplified in the first, like, 15 minutes because there's a couple... That's just mm-hmm. so obvious green screen, like shockingly below par, especially for Marvel and Disney. But then they get great. There's a few awkward frames, I would say. Yeah. I, and, and you're probably right where the first sequence, the flashback, is a little goofy looking. Mm-hmm. After that, and especially in the hour-long finale, yeah. they put their money on the screen, man. And I'm so happy and I'm so relieved because it looked awkward and obviously green screened in the trailer stages, which tells you that they're probably, I don't know if they're 
diluting the the frame count or whatever what, the pixel count for whatever or whatever their marketing pushes are or if, it, if that has to be done months in advance and they're just not done. Or they like just the haven't whole... had the finishing touches. They haven't done a test screen or something. Like, I don't yeah, know what Yeah, like the, the Deadpool 2 joke, the right. cable joke with the arm. These VFX are not done. It's just like <laughs> duct tape around. <laughs> duct tape around Josh Brolin's arm or whatever. Right, right, right. I, I think that's the case. Like, we probably should know that. But I think uh, these VFX, when put upon the big screen and... Obviously, there's magical creatures and etc. How the hell they looked real to me? I I I can't believe it. Like that is worth the price of admission right there. So like this should be a VFX contender in my opinion. Like it's in my top five right now, which is saying a lot because we've gotten some really good VFX this year with Godzilla. Mortal Kombat was solid. Uh, I got a big long list. I'm sorry I don't have it in front of me, but there's been some really strong ones from indie films like The Green Knight, etc. But we say this every Marvel film. Mm -hmm. We say this every time Marvel puts out an MCU movie, and yet they they get disrespected a lot by the Academy in terms of VFX. I, I still stand by Maybe VFX should be split into two categories at the Oscars, and maybe it should be either high-budget versus low-budget VFX, or it should be just computer effects versus practical effects yeah, categories. Yeah, I, I like the latter, probably. Yeah. But, because, but we say, I mean, Marvel always has top-of-the-line VFX, and yet we deal with what we deal with when it comes time for the Oscars in that category. Right. The Oscars, typically, it's an industry-wide award. They don't really go the breakthrough performance right. they don't go the different tiers they don't want to pay attention to that to the class system of movie making in a way best indie film right right that'll right. be for the indie spirits it's I mean, like they've never a, introduced the best popular film category is what you're saying they, they would never uh, <laughs> they yeah that that is that has been stricken from the record right <laughs> no i'm with you on that but i'm just saying uh i th i think they would just have certain things happen during commercial breaks, but they won't. You're alluding to. <laughs> yeah, but I'm trying putting, to come up with a way to take putting breadcrumbs for our next episode. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, I won't finish that thought until the next episode. That'll tease you. All right, so we have costumes, production design, but we have authentic looking Chinese legend come to life, believable in a modern day fairy tale kind of movie and that's after you got like these badass action sequences one after another where i think people are gonna wear his coat <laughs> you know the red armed coat it's gonna be a total seller for halloween iconic costumes, i agree yeah iconic so i mean i was swooning with what i know is a cartoon forest which right. what I, with what i know is all cgi yep uh, that beautiful lake I just, it, I, I just want to have a chair. I just want a chair to like sit there and just yeah. ponder like Thanos. Just want a lemonade. And uh, <laughs> there's there's sh shockingly little available, at least that I was able to find so far about the costumes of Shang Chi. And I was in the way that such a big deal was made about Black Panther's costumes and what Ruthie Carter was able to do there. I want to know more about these costumes and what kind of lore they were based on, what kind of history uh, they were based on, if there was any kind of Easter eggs planted in them. Right. Uh, I well, would this love was to know like more about the that. Action figure, like if you had action figures at a kid as a kid, like there was every action figure you ever played with as a kid mm -hmm. on the screen yeah, too. So absolutely. it wasn't it was you know, it was all kinds of cool stuff right. with, with these armies and whatnot. 
Yeah. I mean, this was, again, you get your Marvel goods. This is top of the line, top of the industry type stuff with a huge price tag attached to it. And people who just know what they're doing in terms of movie making with the added bonus that this was in the hands of people who actually share the background of these characters. And there's an authenticity to it. So in terms of wrapping up an Oscar lens, like, I, I don't I don't remember any of the sounds or score. But yeah. like the VFX for whatever, I'm always just score deaf. I can't. So I the come score away with the score was appropriate for what it was. I did notice that there was not a, a ton of dialogue, not a ton of songs in the soundtrack or anything going on in the background of these scenes. It was all pretty much instrumental based, and they did work in. Not that I'm any kind of professor or historian of, of yeah. Chinese music by any by any means or Asian music in general, but they did work in what sounded like a lot of Asian influenced sounds and music, which cool. I appreciated. I, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, just as you're talking now, I'm starting to remember it. This, mm-hmm. this is how I need to be. You have to take the lead on the, the sound always. Cause I, for whatever reason, I'm just so visually driven as a critic, which is terrible. Cause you only get half the fun there because you're right. I remember the soundtrack being awesome. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, moving to it, uh, yeah. during the screening. So maybe, uh, maybe the Grammys will pay attention to that. Otherwise, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully these, you know, artisans and craftsmen get a lot of work going forward because it really blended well made for a great composition for mr cretton there in terms of an oscar lens vfx i feel pretty strongly about should in fact surprisingly be there at the end of the day tony chue lung he probably won't be there michael but he he based on the fact that he carries this movie as the villain as like that i mean you you keep going back to his no matter who's in the scenes, back to his specter hanging over the plot. Yeah. He just matters so much. He's definitely a looming presence throughout everything. And and it's appropriate. I mean, this is a a family story at its core. So if you're going to tell a family story about the overbearing father, you better make sure the guy you have cast to play the overbearing father is able to be overbearing and loom over every scene. And I agree with you. He does a great job. I, you know, it's, it is what it is with the Academy and blockbusters and Marvel movies, especially. I don't know that we're going to get any kind of nominations from this one outside of maybe VFX. But if if Tony Long finds himself there at the end of the day, come Oscars time, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm rooting for him. So, yeah, guys, go watch this movie. In theaters. Go spend your money. Spoilers ahead! This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoilers! Mike, Mike, and Oscar! Oscar's friend, spoilers! 
This is the spoiler section for the review of Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Uh, this is where we're going all throughout the plot, the ins and outs, and the twists and turns. So if you've not seen the movie, this is a good place for you to hit pause. Go check it out at your local theater. We'll be here waiting for you when you come back to hit play on us. If you've seen the movie already or you're just curious to hear our thoughts, this is where you want to be. All spoilers from this point on out for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Michael. Okay, let's talk about the finale, because if you told me there was this, you know, incredible, epic father-son story, mm-hmm. like the trailers told told us, <laughs> and then the, the plot would all boil down to one of the most stunning dragons we've ever seen, mm-hmm. fighting... Chulu. Cthulhu, yeah. The, Cthulhu. The Lord, all hail our Lord, Dark Lord and Savior Cthulhu. <laughs> Cthulhu from the Lovecraftian stuff. <laughs> I would have been shocked months ago. Now, I'm actually not that surprised because of, out of the four What If episodes on, like, they're just little cutaways and little scenes, and, and some of them are bigger scenes, but you see tentacles coming out of other directions or mm. orbs or whatever, uh, portals, or, and... They were kind of setting us up for this in the MCU, I would okay. say. So I guess I'm not that surprised. It's, again, it's a testament to how they conditioned me for the next project, which <laughs> makes us probably want to speculate at the end of this one. Right. Um, I was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> like, soul suckers. Like, it was hilarious to have Aquafina joke about it afterwards because we're, we're watching this and we're like, what the hell's going on? I don't care. It's so awesome, but... Like if you like, how did you? How did this hit you? Was it the same way, or were you just like, "What? I don't, I don't even care." The fuck, this is cool. This it's very, very cool. It's pulled off, except again, it's a trilogy's worth of content in a single film. I, I mean, mm. the the main bad guy, I thought the entire time was going to be the father, and then no, it's it's Cthulhu, the Dark Lord. <laughs> <laughs> out of, pretty much out of nowhere. This was Who's the devil who's possessing him from you know right hundreds there, of miles away. Horror possession story that comes into play, and it's because of the rings. Except like, just take the fucking rings off, and you'll be fine. Like <laughs> again, if you think about the comic book aspects, if you think about the MacGuffin too long, it kind of falls apart. I feel like, but yeah, very cool. This was at both times the quickest hundred and thirty plus minutes of my life, but also somehow way too rushed as far as the pacing of this movie goes. How did it hit me? By the time we get to the finale with like an hour to go, like we said in the non-spoiler section, I was just having fun. I mean, they kept me invested, which is all I really ask of any movie. Don't bore yeah. me, you know? And and this one certainly didn't. So I was just along for the ride, and I was having fun. They pulled it off. It's not a incredibly, you know... You're not getting a, a, a story that's <laughs> the tightest, let's say. <laughs> No, but that's, I mean, yeah, that's the whole, that's the whole point I was trying to make earlier where I was like, there's not a lot of plot here because it's like, all right, estranged son and daughter get basically called back by the father who says, your mother is haunting me and I'm going to go find out where she is. (laughs) Your dead mother who you watch die is haunting me. Yeah. Right. But then they're like, uh, we're not going to stick around for this. We're going to (laughs) go to her in-laws house and meet our estranged family and then the father shows up and they fight yeah that's a movie that's pretty yeah all right so yeah you're right i agree (laughs) except we have like tens of thousands of years worth of flashbacks involved 
And there's tons uh, of exposition. And and I mean, the, the, the timeline is jumping around like a Christopher Nolan film in its own right. I mean, you go back and forth with the mothers doing this and we have the love story between the parents and then you see the mother die. And then what effect did that have on Shang-Chi? And then he turns into this assassin and there's a lot yeah. of setup. And it works. Yeah, it, it it works at the end of the day. So that I mean, the degree of difficulty telling a story this large, having to having to cut to the core of it and only give us the essentials, right? I mean, you could have you could have dove into any of it. Yeah, you, you're telling a story that spans thousands of years, but you you find the scenes you need. And you get us to this conclusion. I, I think that's you know a testament to the to the writers and the storyteller yeah. to give us as much as we need. It's also a testament to you know kind of like this new way that that the uh, MCU, the new way they're going right now, because we just spent twenty five movies with like extra extraterrestrials invading, <laughs> and now it's like we're reckoning with Mother Earth and all the you know journey from the center of the earth lizards that are going to be in the Eternals and <laughs> Cthulhu who's always been the ancient one right. uh, in our shores and of course he's above Dragon Lake <laughs> of course the dragon's going to be the good monster like oh my god when that dragon first came out I mean I, I turned into a little kid watching the never ending story for the first time yeah it was so cool and yet it makes no sense like, like, why, why, why does the dragon just happen to be where Shang Chi's drowning? Is he the actual dragon, or is that like a a metaphor for what's inside him all along? Like, if you're just if you just strap yourself in to have fun with what's being offered to you, there's right. a lot of fun to be had here. Of course, there's a hidden forest. Of course, <laughs> right. they know how to control the wind. Right, right. Of course, and this we're, is we're like, fine with all. Of it. I wonder how mad. Are fans of Mortal Kombat and Avatar angry or relieved when they watch this? Because this is the best version of what they could hope for with those properties, except it's obviously not their films, you know? It's not a Mortal Kombat movie, and it's not an Avatar movie, but this movie does those movies better than what they got. I guess for our dumb American asses, it's (laughs) better than Wish Dragon or Mortal Kombat, whatever we got there. Yeah. Which, I would if agree. you had the fighting from this movie in in Mortal Kombat with the crazy ass kills that we got in Mortal Kombat, could have been a perfect combination. I agree. I I, I absolutely agree. And, and I mean, as ridiculous as this story is, I think it's better than the one we got in Mortal Kombat. This latest mm. Mortal Kombat. So, well, all right. Well, we got some more best scenes. We got some more scenes coming up. Well, you you got the one that needs to start this. That dance battle, whatever <laughs> you call, it, is just absolutely beautiful between the father and the mother there the yin and the yang that dance of seduction as each one's actually trying to take the other's head off which also acts as a precursor to the big father-son battle at the climax of act everything i mean the look of it the pace of it the 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 kung fu and the like crouching tiger hidden dragon where they're on wires basically as they get kicked backwards but they're always landing on their feet and sliding back on the oh my god it was just gorgeous and epic and beautiful and horny and just everything it was just great it was so cool it was one of my favorite scenes and i remember i remember when the scene was starting i was like all right this is very pretty Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna like this scene right this is this is absurd like this guy is dracula he's dracula of rob zombie never mind dracula he is the worst 
the whole movie, but his heart is going to be won over by her mm-hmm. just because she beats his ass in a fight. And then at the end, I'm like, oh, I'm shipping the two of them. I don't Love care. Love is real. I don't care about the reasons it was that beautiful of a scene yeah i i'm with you. that might have been, might maybe my favorite scene of 2021 so far and no, it's like just aesthetically aesthetically right, exactly beautiful. exactly it has nothing to do with plot or story <laughs> or anything it's just a fucking beautiful piece of art it's asinine anything yeah. else yeah, yeah i mean he's just been bullying and murdering he's a mass murderer he should get no love and happiness we should hate him and yet we are rooting for them to, to to have a beautiful life together. Yeah, I, I price of admission for that one scene alone. I would. It's just you, you got to see it. All right. So how about that fight on the bus? Great. My God, <laughs> did I blow a funny fuse when that dude just immediately started filming it and saying, like, "Oh, he's like, I got to review this fight. And I can't be involved in this one. This this time after last time." But I am going to rate and review this fight for you all right now. <laughs> so the, every fight scene I thought was awesome because it's a Marvel movie. So, of course, they're going yeah. to be. But, yeah, the comedy in this was top notch. I mean, I was legit laughing out loud as much to my theater chagrin, me. I'm sure. But I was legit laughing out loud at a few parts where I was like, ha, ha. <laughs> like, I couldn't help myself. It was it was top tier. Very well written. Very conveniently and, and conventionally introduced into the plot. It wasn't forced. I loved it. I, I I was dying laughing, and then it was like like the nobody f- bus fight scene. It was mm. crazy. They were beating the ever-living crap out mm-hmm. of each other, and it, it had the, the VFX with the guy with the sword hand, mm-hmm. and it had actually a plausible arc to that fight. Like, we were watching it on, you know, the trailer and we're like all right so this is very f9 where there's probably a lot of collateral damage like he's killing so many people <laughs> but he really only is killing the bad guys they they kind of proved it to us that he i mean all right so maybe if somebody was in their cars if anybody huge. was parked in those cars on the side of the street they're Correct. dead they're, yeah they're, they're crushed <laughs> they're they're a headless chicken pig but hopefully uh, hopefully right. they at least got one good laugh by aquafine at the end we make a good team to the bus driver, the bus driver which was didn't terrified work because we thought she was talking to Shang Chi, right? Which was right. awkward because, like, you crash the bus. That's a, you know, that doesn't work. Uh, and and speaking of more comedy that worked, Ben Kingsley. I mean, yeah, the fact that he is Tug Speedman and he's held hostage by his j- just forever to perform for them. Shakespeare, etc., and his only friend is this mythical headless chicken pig. I would give my life and your life, for that matter, for whatever Morris is, whatever that thing is. I want one. Six legs <laughs> of joy. I actually think my dog Russ is from that family of whatever those beings are. He might be. So <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, all right. So. A lot of great scenes in this movie. We, we've been you know, referring to a bunch of them. We do have some worse. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll shout out Colby Mack. And again, Minorities Report Film Podcast. Go listen to those guys, Raul, Mo, and Colby, uh, along with uh, Dre, who wasn't on this episode. But go listen to them. Colby had two main issues, and I agree with him. Yep. Shang-Chi learns wind fighting via one scene with Auntie. So that happens a couple times in this movie and that's part yeah. of the pacing problem I, I i agree i have 
personally less of an issue. Like, okay, I, I kind of relate that to Aquafina learning how to shoot a bow and arrow made of dragon scales. Very quickly. Very, yeah. Which is, to me, like it's an MCU movie. So I know they're going to get to those ma- skills mastered at some point anyway. So I don't mind that we yada yada over the training in the lumps, but you're right. They could have done a montage. Right. We yeah, have you're an hour. Right. Yeah. We have an hour in that setting. Yeah. They 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 get there way too quick nonetheless. Uh yeah, I think the flash to the mother teaching the son those movements as a kid is what they were trying to get us to mm-hmm. like, Oh, he already knows the movements. But then again, he's like flying on a dragon or fighting his father. Who's <laughs> the greatest warrior on the, in the history of the planet. Right. And he's using like all these advanced moves against them. It just doesn't. Yeah. The tail of the tape doesn't exactly work there. Mm-hmm. I will also agree with Colby when he's like, Shang-Chi wasn't exactly Batman in this movie. Like he didn't avoid murdering people which is again he's totally justified in having to do what he had to do Mm -hmm. but like multiple guys are falling off that scaffolding to their deaths oh there's there's, uh, because of him i mean it's raining bodies in downtown yeah what let the bodies hit the floor from multiple stories up which means they're probably landing on other bodies (laughs) so yeah the big reveal that he's assassinated the gangster who killed his mother when he was 14 is n- it doesn't hold the gravitas that it should mm-hmm. because they kind of murder just... the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, he's racking up a body count, which I agree with. Kill, they deserve to die. I hope they burn in hell. <laughs> Why am I quoting scenes from the early 2000s? Because I'm rubbing off on you. What did you think of the misdirect of having the cool looking warrior be taken out almost immediately once the big battle started? Yeah, I'm kind of a fan of that. You okay. like that? <laughs> I think uh, it, it obviously this was like a action movie at the end of the day at its core, mm-hmm. or at least in terms of goods it's delivering to action movie aficionados like you and I. Mm-hmm. And when we see one of the lieutenant bosses immediately get taken down mm-hmm. by the giant squid, <laughs> flying squids, right. the flying squids, they grow in terms of menace. I would say, you you got to take them seriously. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I I I'll I'll co-sign that. Um, I feel kind of the opposite just because I wanted to see him kick more ass. But I also feel the opposite as you do about the love story question mark between Aquafina and and Shang Chi. Yeah, it was just so friend zoned. I love like, it. I just, that's what romance is, though. That's what real romance is. Two people <sighs> being awkward as fuck. And resisting each other until finally they submit. <laughs> said the two. Said the one single man to the other. <laughs> That's, I, if I know anything in this life, <laughs> I guess I just wanted more. I just want. I just wanted them. I wanted more of the teasing because we get that in every sitcom that's ever lived, mm-hmm. right? That's ever we've ever watched. The will they? Won't they? It's a trope. But there wasn't enough will they, won't they? There's a She talks to her grandma and, you know, later on she puts his, her, her head on his shoulder. I think that's going to be a big moment when they finally get, like, kiss or give in to each other. I think that's going to be, like, a, a very cute, powerful moment in the MCU at some point. Because I agree. I think they, they were kept apart purposely. We don't really end the movie with them as a couple. They're still hanging out. They're, by the way, sidetrack tangent. 
Mm-hmm. This is also a worse, though. But if they're hanging out at the end of the movie, if we're in the MCU and we're pounded repeatedly that this is the MCU and we now live in a world where half the population can disappear at the snap of a finger with no notice and blah, 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 blah. Why yeah. is it so unbelievable that Wong is able to come through a circle portal in the middle of a bar? Like, we're either in the MCU or we're not. Why are people still shocked by all these things happening if we're in the MCU where Thanos is a thing? Because they haven't seen it with their own eyes. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that annoyed the shit out of me. <laughs> like, you, you, I understand it was done for comedy's sake, but really it's that unbelievable that maybe Shang-Chi and Aquafina spent their weekend battling Cthulhu? In this world, you're that stunned by it. You're that outraged at the notion that they might be lying to you. Of course, it's real. I mean, we we know that there are unidentified flying objects now. <laughs> the government told us so. But if you saw one, you know, I just think it was drones before people know that what drones were. <laughs> I just think it's always just military shit. But well, fine. I, I'm not. I'm a non-believer. Unlike you, mm-hmm. I know who I know well, believes I this stuff. Afraid of them to the altar of Tom DeLong, who's been on this for a while. So, All right, Mike, let's put a bow on this. What do you have for a final grade here? I think you talked me up a point. I was a B-86 kind of as we started to hit record, and I think I am going to go B-plus 87. This is, this is probably hmm. a top 20 movie of the year for me right now, which is, which is exciting. And, yeah, I, I would recommend it. I hope. I hope people. Well, this is not the portion of this episode where I should say that. I should have said it before. We recommended it before. Uh, but as uh, you recommend your recommendation, is what I you're recommend now. my earlier recommendation, and mm-hmm. I confirm it. Yes. Allow myself to introduce <laughs> myself. I agree. I think I, we talked myself up a point as well. I was going to go with a lower B, but eighty-five B. I mean, you get your money's worth and. It, it, go see this on a big screen. Go see this with people. Hopefully they don't get mad at you and hold a grudge against you for the rest of your life if you try to laugh and show them there's joy in the world. Like I try to do on a daily basis. No, I, I, in all seriousness, I mean, this is a Marvel movie and you get your goods. You get your Marvel goods and it's just a high quality film. And I go back to what I said before. I mean, maybe not the tightest plot, maybe not the most sensical thing, but if you just strap in and enjoy the ride, there's plenty of fun and goods to be had. Here. Absolutely. We'll die for those mythical, headless, chicken, pig, <laughs> furry wonders, whatever they are. Give us a whole, yeah, give us a whole movie about them, please. I got to take mine outside to go to the bathroom once we're done recording here, actually. So, so do I. <laughs> Uh, what is matters most to us, dear listener, as always, is what did you think? Have you seen Shang-Chi? Uh, what do you think about our criticisms? What are your criticisms about it? And what do you give it as a grade as well? You can leave us those as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire on our social media, as we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts including and especially the Apple Podcasts app. Uh, If you are listening to us on that app right now, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, that would truly make our entire day. Michael, let's have some words of wisdom to end on. You've already teased the good people with what's coming next, so why don't you tease them a little more and let them know what they can hear next from MMO. So I think we're going to do a couple of Oscar race checkpoints. I think the film festivals are hot and heavy right now. We're going to go later in September ourselves, and we got some reactions to react to. So that's 
always mostly fun and sometimes exasperating (laughs) (laughs) as we've been on Twitter all weekend. Mike, Mike and Oscar, mostly fun, sometimes exasperating. Just like us, uh, film Twitter uh, gets our goat sometimes, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think we need to parse through the reactions. Mm. Maybe that's the, uh, just like with this movie, like the, the marketing made us think one way and the reviews made us think a whole nother standard and mm. level for Shang-Chi. And at the end of the day, we could just sit down and have a blast watching the movie. So see the movies for yourselves, I guess, is the uh, your words of wisdom. Your political correctness in this circumstance is admirable, for once, dear for friend. Once, yes. uh, <laughs> guys, when reality sucks, you can come check out these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.